The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Welcome, Summit Church. I'm so glad that you chose today to tune in, to engage, even though we are in the midst of some of the craziest times in our society, we still believe that gathering as the body, even if it's through a TV screen or a computer screen, is vitally important. And I'm thrilled that you're here. Uh, One thing I wanna add to this is just that uh, on Tuesday night from seven to eight, we're gonna try something. And and I think it's gonna be really cool. Uh, We're gonna open up our lobby virtually through a wonderful app called Zoom, uh, the description descriptions below of how you can get into that phone call. Just jump in between seven and eight on Tuesday night. Say hi to one of our pastors. Say hi to each other uh, as we're not engaging with one another in this season. And rightfully so. I think this is a great way that we can truly still connect without physically being in the same place. And and that kind of leads into the message today. I've entitled it Shelter in Place. Okay, shelter in place. Uh, You've heard already in some of our cities that that is the new directive. That is what we're called to do to help stop the spread of the coronavirus. I think it's wise. I am trying to socially be responsible and do it myself. Okay, so sheltering in place, it brings about isolation. And isolation can be a good thing, but oftentimes, in my opinion, Isolation does not produce godliness. When when we are disconnected from people, when we're bored and alone or feel lonely, it does not necessarily spur us on towards the things of God. In fact, I, I see exactly the opposite. But there are many times in Scripture, many times in Scripture, where God calls His people into isolation to prepare them for what's to come. And so I actually had the staff help write this. I I sent out a week or so ago, hey, tell me about the times in the Bible that, that encourage you where God calls different men and women into isolation to do something spectacular with them. They they sent a list of things. And so today's message is actually kind of from all of us. It's a message from the Bible about the truth of how God can even use our loneliness, our boredom, our isolation to do something great. So as we shelter in place to stop the spread of this virus, I want us to look at scripture and see how God actually has used this method many, many times to do great things in his followers' life. So the first example that I want to give is from Moses. Moses and the burning bush. Maybe a story you're familiar with, maybe not. But Moses had a unique birth, okay? He was born in a time when the Pharaoh of Egypt said, we're not allowing any Hebrew boy to live. Moses' mom made a basket, put him in, threw him in the Nile River. The, The river took him to the palace where one of the princesses from the palace got Moses and said, this is amazing. And ends up Moses' mom got to nurse him. And and so he was raised as an Egyptian prince. Well, about the age of 40, he walks out and he sees his countrymen, his fellow Hebrews, being abused by one of the slave masters. And he goes off. He becomes irate and he actually kills one of the slave masters and and buries him in the sand. And the next day he's having an argument with someone. They go, what are you going to kill us too? And so he realizes that he is known. His transgressions are known and he flees. He flees to Midian. 
And when he's there, he, he meets his future wife. He has a family. His isolation in Midian wasn't necessarily completely alone, just like many of you are not completely alone in this season. But while he was there, God did something truly spectacular. God spoke to him and prepared him. And we see this in Exodus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. It says, God called him from within a bush. Moses, Moses, could you imagine this? You're just out minding your own business and you hear your name coming from a burning bush. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. You are in the presence of God. And Moses and God would begin this conversation and God would elaborate for Moses how he intended to use him to set his people free. And in verse 10 of chapter three, it says this, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses had just received his task and his task came in a form of isolation. Moses has many objections to this task. He says, you got the wrong guy. You shouldn't send me. I, I can't speak well. The words don't come out of my mouth too good. This is not for me. And I love how God prepared him. He said, hey, pick, pick up that staff. Moses picked it up. God says, and realize this is Moses talking to God. What an incredible conversation. God says, just th throw that staff on the ground. Moses does. It becomes a snake. Okay, so staff turns into a snake. Then God says, pick that snake up by the tail. Wise advice, pick it up by the tail. And, and Moses does, it turns back into a staff. And Moses goes, that's amazing, but I, I don't know how that's gonna help me. Then God says, okay, do this. I take your hand and put it inside your cloak. And that, now pull it back out. And when Moses does so, his hand has become leprous. That, that would be terrifying. Oh no, what have I done? And then God says, okay, now, now put it back in, pull it back out, and all of a sudden his hand is fine. And Moses, I think, is seen now. He goes, okay, these are cool magic tricks, God. Like, yes, I think this will make people listen to me a little bit. But, but what about the powerful people in Egypt? What are they going to do? And he's like, well, what you can do is if, if you scoop up water and you pour it on the ground, um, if you do so, it, it will become blood. Now, that's gruesome, right? That's a, that's a really weird picture. But think of the power that it would have if you're speaking to Osei Pharaoh. And you've just shown him the staff and the snake and the hand. And, and then you pick up some water and you pour it out and it becomes blood. The person's going to know that these miraculous signs, you are validated. You're validated by God. And in church, I believe this so much that God still does miraculous things. He does. And in this season, I want to encourage us to press into God, to ask him for signs and wonders, because I believe they still exist. His power is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. So uh, that God's still moving in this way. And I want to encourage you to press into that, because there are people who are going to need to believe first before they will listen to what you say. And one of the best testimonies that we have is story, story of how God is moving and doing the miraculous in our life. Moses had one more objection, Exodus chapter four, verse 13. He says, pardon your servant, pardon me, Lord, please send someone else. And God says, no, I've chosen you. I've prepared you for this task. And I think the isolation that Moses was in 
I think that was a preparation for him. It was an empowering for him. And that's the first thing I want us to note today is that isolation, as hard as it is, as boring as it is, as lonely as it is, God can use it to empower us. He did so with Moses. And even in this season, as we shelter in place, he can do so with you. The second biblical example, we have Elijah. Elijah on the mountain. Now, Elijah's an all-star in the Old Testament. If, if you've read his bio, it's pretty impressive. But about a third of the way into his ministry, he was dealing with a king of Israel that was worse than any other one that had ever presented himself. His name was Ahab. And Elijah and Ahab did not get along at all. And Elijah knows that he's going to be killed. And so Elijah runs. He runs to the top of a mountain. He runs to hide from his pursuer. He's terrified. And it's on that mountain in isolation that God does something spectacular. We can read about it in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 14. And the word of the Lord came to him. That's Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites, or the children of God, have rejected your promise or your covenant. They've torn down your altars and they've put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out, stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, in the presence of me, for the Lord is about to pass by. A beautiful beautiful statement that means that theophany, the glory of God is about to come. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? The same words. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and they've put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. Same conversation twice. But I believe this conversation comes as a reminder to an all-star. Hey, I need you in the game. In this season, you're scared, and I understand that. But it's a time of reminding. Isolation can be a time of reminding. Hey, I'm with you. I've got you. And the ministry that I've called you to, even though right now it seems very, very, very difficult, I've got you. Elijah's scorecard, if you will, is pretty impressive. In another time of isolation, literally the Lord sent ravens to feed him in the morning and in the evening. God literally just dropped food at his lap as he's been a time of isolation. One time when Elijah walked into a city, he saw a widow 
And the widow came up to him and said, how can I help you? And Elijah says, it's a famine right now. I, I would love for you to make me a cake. That, that shouldn't happen, but that's what he said. And goes home and the oil for the cake was the last drops. But then because Elijah's presence, the oil stayed for, for quite a while. It, it never dried up. And then one day the sun actually dies. And Elijah is one of just a few, just a very few in the Bible who can claim a true resurrection he went into the boy's room. He, he actually laid down upon him, which would have been quite awkward. Uh, but then he declared before God that this child will live and, and he comes back. Elijah's protege, Elijah, was another one who can claim a resurrection. Jesus has a couple on his resume, times that he raised people from the dead. And Paul's got one. Um, that's a pretty select group of people. Could you imagine if Elijah had not done his ministry? Could you imagine if Elijah had not had that mountaintop experience where he was scared and afraid and running for his life? Could you imagine if he hadn't had that moment, if God hadn't reminded him that I've got you, the ministry that would have been left out? I want to challenge you as we shelter in place, church, that the ministry that God's called you to, that hasn't stopped it just looks different. And maybe it's in this season that God's actually gonna remind you of just how powerful you are and what great things he wants to do in your life. There's a couple more examples. There's the 12 disciples, the ones that Jesus called himself. He, he called them into a solitary place to recharge their batteries for the ministry that they were supposed to do. Sometimes isolation is not the worst thing because it allows us to recharge. It allows us to reconnect with God. Mark chapter six, verse 31, it says, then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. What's the context there? Jesus and his disciples had been doing ministry nonstop, nonstop for months. The, the crowds had swelled to such an amazing size that they actually got in a boat and they went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, but the people followed. They got there and if you keep reading, it was then that Jesus set them all down. He taught them and that was the feeding of the 5,000. But do you see what we could easily miss in that amazing story? The purpose for the retreat was to recharge. The purpose for the isolation, purpose for finding solitude, was to recharge the batteries of the disciples because they'd been doing so much. Maybe this season for you in isolation is to recharge. But there's one more, there's one more story. And I'm not saying it's the best, but it's the best. Um, it's Jesus himself. Jesus himself before he began his ministry. So, so to set it up, here's what's happened just, just a few moments before. Jesus came to John the Baptist. John the Baptist declares, look, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus asked John to baptize him. John reluctantly does so. Upon coming out of the water, the heavens part, God speaks, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. The dove descends as the Holy Spirit comes upon the Lord. It's just this miraculous. And if anything, I would ever think the starting point of Jesus' ministry, right? And then what happens very next? Matthew chapter four, verses one and two. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, 
He was hungry. No kidding. What a beautiful starting point in ministry, followed by 40 days of isolation, to do what? To ultimately test Jesus. And if he's getting tested, how much more so should we expect the same? Maybe this period of isolation for you is actually a test. It's a test to see how you'll come out on the other side. Because I believe this, church, I believe this with everything in me. On the other side of this virus, whatever that, whenever that is, on the other side of this, the church is going to be better positioned than ever to proclaim the gospel. Jesus was clearly able to do what he needed to do, yet there was a season, a period of isolation that was a test to make sure that he would stay true, and he did. And I think for many of us, this is our test. Are we gonna hang tough? Are we gonna be a part of what God's doing, or are we gonna go, whoa, I've got way too much to worry about for myself. I've got way too many things. I don't know where the grocery money's gonna come from. I don't know where I'm gonna work. I don't know if I'm gonna ever have a normal life again. Are we going to allow this season of isolation to push us towards the negative or to push us towards God? Now, here's what I think. For many of us, this season of isolation will be a test. But what if, what if, just just for a few, what, what if it's not? What if it's not a test? What if for some of you, this season of isolation is a time of empowering for the ministry that you have to come? What if this season is a time of reminding what God has called you to and not allowing fear to stop you? What if for some of you, this is a period of recharging, just recharging your spiritual batteries, for whatever God has next, because I really do believe it's gonna be great. Once again, I think for many, this is gonna be a season of testing. And can I tell you right now, church, that um, if you're going through this test and you're finding it incredibly, incredibly hard, uh, you can reach out for help. One of the things that I want to make sure you know for sure is that as a church, we will be there for you, we'll be praying for you, but even more than that, if there's physical needs, you can go to summitonline.tv, click the contact us button, a form will pop up. If you send us a physical need, someone will respond to you immediately. And until the resources are completely gone, we would love, love to help you come alongside you in this season. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love more than anything to get to walk with you in this season of testing. But whatever it is, I want you to remember this, and this is what I close with. We have a God, we have a, a Lord, Jesus, who in Hebrews chapter four, verse 15, it says this, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, okay? But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. We have a perfect example. We have a wonderful Lord who has overcome this world, who is leading and guiding us, even in this season of isolation as we shelter in place, and he has amazing, amazing things in store for you. Recharging, reminding, strengthening, 
maybe even testing. But this season has a purpose. I pray you press into it knowing that you have a God that's not up there laughing, going, look at how they're responding. You have a God that empathizes with you because he's already been through it. I pray that you press into him and you allow him to walk with you in this season of isolation. Father, we thank you so much that you care about us, that you love us, that you know us, and that you have walked in this path already. You have overcome this world. So Lord, we trust in you. May that be seen in the way that we live. May it be seen in the way that we handle this time of isolation. God, we need more of you. So just pour out your spirit upon us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.